Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Highmark Church Podcast. Our heartbeat is to help people find and follow Jesus. So we pray this message encourages you, strengthens you, and helps you pursue the purpose Jesus has for you. Just a couple weeks ago, I was having a meeting in a restaurant. I was in one of those restaurants that has like a thousand TVs on the wall. Does anybody love those types of restaurants? I do. I love being in them. I find that uh, I, I kind of get sensory overload because there's screens like on every wall. There's multiple things you can watch at the same time. I'm amazed at some time my capacity to watch like 10 things. I've thought maybe at home I need to put 10 to 12 screens around my living room so I can watch multiple things at once. Uh, but I, I remember a couple weeks ago when I was in the restaurant and uh, watching, seeing all the screens and uh, ESPN came on and they have their top 10 plays. I don't know if you know ESPN, the Sports Center has, uh, and every week they show their top 10 plays. And uh, I love them. I love to see the amazing catches, the amazing like plays that athletes make. But one of my most favorite top tens is their not top tens. Each week, they take the top ten worst plays, like the biggest failures and the moments where uh, people dropped the ball or they collided or, or, you know, just something happened that was a calamity in the moment. And they put them all together in a highlight reel. And I got to say that I love that top 10, the not top 10, more than just the regular, like, highlights. And I think uh, we probably, in, that shows the human factor. We probably all like that because it, we identify with those moments, with those lowlights. You see, uh, the highlights are great. Those are moments that we can, we can say, wow, look at that. But there's also the lowlights that we all experience, the moments that uh, aren't the highlights, the moments that are just the regular uh, kind of doldrums, the regular moments in our life that are just kind of, hey, they're, they're not our shining best. And I'm just thankful that in my life that they're not all out there for everyone to see. We live in a highlight reel culture. I don't know if you, you really get that or understand that, but we, we kind of live now in a culture that really focuses on highlights. I think that social media is such a great tool. I love connecting with people. I actually love, I think it adds so much to our relationships, but social media always also just creates a highlight reel of all of our lives. It creates like the best of the best. And we can miss out the fact that that's not reality, that in all reality, we all have lowlights. We all have moments where uh, we don't, we're not at our top. We uh, have failure moments. We all have the not top 10 plays, if you will. They might be moments when you're driving in the car and you get so angry at those other gifted drivers out there in Indiana that uh, you, you, you lose it a little bit and uh, you get angry in the moment. Maybe that's in your not top 10 right there. Maybe you're at work, you've had a moment where, hey, you missed a deadline on a project, you missed a key meeting or something, and you're like, man, that, I just dropped the ball. That was, that was a fail moment right there. Maybe it's with family. Maybe you had like a rough day, a frustrating day, and man, you, you have the best of intentions, but you come home from that day or you, get, you, you connect with your family and, and you actually end up taking it out on them and your, your, your frustration is actually taken from your workplace or from a boss and it's put it in your family or a spouse or maybe even your parents. And, uh, and, and that can be one of those not top 10 plays that we all have. Maybe it's a moment where 
hey, you got a relationship and things ended poorly or you didn't handle a situation with a friend really well. And uh, those are not top, top ten plays that we all experience. And is anybody with me today that you're thankful that it's not on TV or it's not on the internet. Come on, let me see your hands today. Yeah, get excited. You're not on TV. Your fail moments uh, don't have to fall flat. They don't have to be broadcast out there for everyone. And I, as we talk about this series and as we talk about no chill and, and us not being hold back, hold back our excitement and our celebration and our faith and what God is doing, that we should kind of have an, uh, a position and a posture that we're going for it in our faith. We're having a, a, a posture that, hey, we're out to get this and we're, we're, we're grabbing hold of everything that God has. And so we're not sitting back and we're not just kind of playing it cool, but no, as as Christ followers that we should have no chill when it comes to our relationship with Jesus. And we've been looking at Mark chapter, um, the, the book of Mark, and we're going to look at chapter 5 and 6 and, and 7 throughout this series. And as we've been looking at this, we're talking about those moments where uh, really we all have uh, moments where we, we have to reach out and we have to go for it. We have to have faith. And our faith journey is, is going to have high moments where, man, they're miraculous moments. They're moments we're going for. They're moments where, man, we felt God's presence. Oh, man, God did a miracle in my life. And we have those type of mountaintop moments. Now, I'm reminded of this principle that every time we stand in a mountaintop, there's a foundational principle that we have to start with today, that every mountaintop has a valley around it. So every mountaintop has a valley around it. What do I mean by that? Well, listen, we're going to go through this, this roller coaster sometimes in our walk with Christ. We're going to go through our life and be navigating all the ins and outs and of dynamics of our life and, and our faith. And every mountaintop is going to have a valley. So we're going to have high moments. And at that high moment, we just got to know that there's going to be a moment that we're going to come down. Because as we look across our landscape, maybe not here in Indiana, but maybe in a, in a, in a landscape like Colorado or somewhere where there's large mountains, we could look on the horizon and we could see the mountains, but next to the mountains would be valleys that even in between every high point, there's a low spot. Now, how do we navigate those low spots. That's what I want to talk about today. And as we've looked uh, through the book of Mark, and we've talked about Mark chapter 5, the past two weeks, we've talked about the high points that Jesus has experienced in ministry. You see, Jesus in Mark chapter 5, the past couple weeks, we talked about some amazing miracles that Jesus has done, some amazing things that he did, that there was great ministry that followed, great healings that as he stepped out and followed God into all that he has, that that he, uh, we saw him do, heal blind people and uh, uh, heal people of evil spirits they were possessed by. So great ministry is, is all around Jesus. And then we get to Mark chapter 6. If We go through Mark 5 and it's, man, it's a highlight reel type of experience. But then we get to Mark chapter 6 and Jesus, it says, goes to Nazareth. And I want to look, if you have your Bibles with me today, would you turn to Mark chapter 6? If you don't have your Bible, we're going to have it on the screen for you, but you can flip open your app or Bible, and I'd love for you to follow along. And as I read today's scripture today, I would love for you to just participate with me. I want you to just, as we get to the end of the scripture, there's three words that I would love, or four four words or five words, somewhere in there. I would love for you to repeat these words with me. 
and it's in, it's in the uh, uh, red color, the orange color, refu- uh, that he refused to believe in him. I want you to say that with me when we get to the very end. Say that. All right? So this is what Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 3, it says. It says, Jesus left that part of the country, and he returned uh, with his disciples to Nazareth. And that's Jesus' hometown, if you didn't know. If you didn't know where Jesus is from, it's Nazareth. And that's his hometown. And I've actually been to Nazareth. This last summer, I was able to go to Israel and uh, was able to walk in the, in the city where in the town that was Jesus' hometown. It was such a cool experience. And uh, just to think that uh, Jesus, in his formative years, grew up there and his family uh, on a it, Nazareth is almost like on a hillside, and and ha, that they they just uh, built their life there. And I I just imagine what was Jesus like as a kid. So that's another message right there. But a uh, little tangent. But the disciples and Jesus go to Nazareth, and this is what it says: the next Sabbath, so the next Sunday, he began teaching in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. And they asked, where did he get all this wisdom and power to perform such miracles? So they're asking questions. Where where did he get this power? And this is what it says then, the very next verse. They're asking that questions, but then they say, then they scoffed, and he is just a carpenter, a son of Mary, and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. And his sisters live right here among us. And they were deeply offended And read this with me. And refused to believe in him. I thought that was, that stood out. That part right there just stood out to me. That they refused to believe in Jesus. They were astonished at him. But they refused to believe that they were, they were off-put by Jesus. And they discounted, I guess, where he, what, who he was. And I, I just think that we, even here we see that faith is a challenge. That Jesus here is in this high moment of ministry. And we get to Mark chapter 6 and he reaches a moment where he's just confronted right smack in his face with the unbelief of people around him. I think we have to realize our faith journey is going to be a challenge at times. It's going to be a struggle. It's going to have those high points and it's going to have those low points. But you know what? We have to be ready for it. We have to realize that we can be prepared for the low points. We can celebrate in the high points and we can we can suit up and get going in the low points and be ready for the next mountaintop that God's bringing us. So if we're ready, we understand the fight. We'll overcome it. We'll see it through. And it's a fight of our faith. And what I see here in this scripture of Mark, in Mark chapter 6, in these first three verses, is that I see that we will all encounter other people's unbelief. We'll all encounter other people's unbelief. And here's what I see, that faith is discounted right here. So that we're all going encounter, to encounter discounted faith in our life. That that is part. People here were amazed. They were amazed at Jesus, but they scoffed. They, in the next breath, they were scoffed. They saw the things that he was doing, that he healed people, and they heard the stories. And they were witness of the power of God, yet they, in that moment, they began to discredit and discount it. And you know what? We're all going to be confronted with people in our life that are going to try to discount or discredit our faith. They're going to try to tell you this, that's not what God can do. That's not everything that is possible or that can't happen or God can't do that or God doesn't care enough about that. And you're going to have voices in your life that they're going to try to mark it down. 
Now, does anybody out there love when you go to the store and you find something on sale that has been discounted? Do you love finding something on that clearance rack out there? Let me see some hands today, some people fired up. Man, I love if I go to the store and there's something I've been looking for, there's something I wanted, and I see that it's on clearance or it's on sale, someone has marked it down, I get excited about it. But I realize that someone has put a value on that. That's not me. Someone has put a value. That's probably the store manager. Someone has said, you know what, this, we need to bring the value down. We need to devalue this a little bit to get it out the door. And we need to discount it to move it because someone, other people don't want it. Now, I was thinking about that is that that's someone else doing that. And I think a lot of times when we allow people in our life to speak things that discount our faith, we're giving them the power to mark down our faith. We're giving them the power to mark down the possibilities of what God can do inside of us. We're giving them the power. So I'm determined that when I'm in a valley that I'm not going to stay there, but I'm not going to let the voices and the people around me uh, dictate and write the price or put the value on it and mark down my faith. But instead, I'm going to look and know that my value comes from a God, from a creator who gave uh, me a purpose and me a destiny, and he set me on the course. And I know that even though I'm in a valley, that I have a mountaintop right on the other side. That's a truth right there today that we can stand on. That's a hope we can grab hold of. I don't want to let other people mark that down. I don't want anybody to discredit my faith. You know what? Life's going to be full of haters, right? Turn to someone right now and say, you got haters. Come on, tell them, you got haters. You got haters. You see, we're all going to face that. There's going to be people who are going to reject the power of God in your life. They're going to try to remind you of your past and what you used to do. They're going to try to discredit the power of God at work in your life. They're going to try to discount the promises of God. And they're going to say things that are going to, that are going to challenge your faith. But if you're prepared and you're focused and you know that, hey, I'm in the valley right now, you can minimize those voices. And some people, just like that, they're going to recognize, the, just like Jesus experienced, they're going to recognize that power, but then they're going to reject it. And I got to say, just we have to watch the amount of influence and voice that we give those people. That we don't allow them to undermine everything that God can do. And I see that when we walk this journey and we hit those low points, we can be encouraged when we have the right voices that are speaking faith and hope into us. When we have the voices around us that are giving us the encouragement we need. And that we're not tuning in to the people that are discounting and marking down our faith and, and pulling us back, but instead we're, we're focused on what God's called us to do, that we have something well up inside of us that says, you know what, I'm determined to stay the course. I'm determined to follow the plan that God has for my life. I'm determined to say, you know what, God, I want to, I want to live out your best in every, every season of my life, whether it's the mountaintop or it's the valley, I'm going to go for it. And when we're confronted with unbelief, I think we have to be careful. Those are moments to watch out because the enemy is trying to steal away our future. He's trying to steal away the possibilities and the potential that God has for you in the next season, in that next mountaintop. We see that right here. Jesus experiences that. People come and they scoff. Yeah, they recognized his power. They know that he could work, but they scoffed and they discredited and discounted it. We also said Jesus is rejected by them. If we can keep reading says they discounted that power, they refused to believe, but Jesus responds to them. 
he doesn't just sit back and take it. No, he kind of makes a declaration here. And this is what the last few verses say of this portion of Scripture in Mark chapter 4, verses six, uh, verses 4 through 6. It says, Then Jesus told them, A prophet is honored everywhere except in his hometown and among his relatives and his own family. And because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and then heal them. And this verse is what just got me. And he was amazed at their unbelief. Other versions of this scripture say that he marveled at their unbelief. That there was an astonishment, that there was a surprise that Jesus carried at their unbelief. They were seeing him heal. They were seeing his power. They had heard the testimony, the things that he could do. They, they knew of uh, as word had spread all throughout this part in this region of, of Israel that in Nazareth, that it had spread to Nazareth. They had heard the stories of what Jesus was doing, but yet they rejected it, and Jesus was amazed at their unbelief. And I feel like that's something that we have to alert ourselves to because we're, in our fight for faith, we're all going to encounter our own unbelief. See, we can say, oh, yeah, it's other people, and it's just their voices of unbelief in our life. But the reality is that we're all going to be confronted with our own unbelief. And I think the best way to phrase this and put it today is that we're going to have a dysfunctional faith at times in our life. And here's what I mean by that. A dysfunctional faith, and we may not want to admit it, it's easy for us all to carry a measure of unbelief all throughout our everyday life. We may not think or we may, may not verbalize it, but in simple ways, the way that we live and the way that we, we kind of uh, go through our life and the decisions and the choices we make, we live with a dysfunctional faith. We live with statements of unbelief, not that come out of our mouth, but that come out of our actions and our, in our own will. That we have a dysfunctional faith that, yeah, we know what God's word says, but we don't believe it's for us. You see, we don't doubt the promises of God in Scripture, we just doubt they're for us. You don't doubt the power of God, you just doubt the power of God in your own life. And I think that's where we get into a place where we see dysfunctional faith, that when we are confronted with unbelief, that we, have to, we know this is a low-light moment, we're con confronted with our own unbelief of the power of God in our life. I think a lot of times we don't think we're worthy enough. It's not out of dislike or distrust of God. It's, it's our own loathing, self-loathing. It's our own thinking we're not worthy enough and we don't have it all together. But that's not how God works. That's not what grace is all about. Grace is about us not deserving it, but yet God loved us enough that he gave us Jesus. And he, Jesus gives us the hope and the promise that we can all step into in our life. So we're not called to live with this dysfunctional faith. We're not called to live with this in our life where we just have this dysfunction and, and we're just carrying this and we don't live it out every single day of our life. No, we're called. We're called to live full of faith. So we have to identify areas of our life where we operate with unbelief. 
I, my hope and my prayer is that God would never look at me and my actions and my daily life and my Monday through Friday, my Saturday, my Sunday. He would never look at my relationships, my marriage, my family. My prayer is he would never look at and survey my life and, and marvel at my unbelief. But instead, I have to find and identify those things where practically I'm not living it out. I'm not living out my faith the way it should be lived out. I'm not living out the promises of God. I'm not living out his word and his truth in a way. And I have to identify those things so that I don't live with this dysfunctional faith in my life. Where I say it or I read it, but I don't apply it into my own life. And that's where God says, listen, there's a battle of faith that's at war inside of all of us. There's a battle of faith where we have to, we have to choose whom we're serving. We have to choose the path forward. And that's where we see that God says, listen, I come alongside of you. And we see that in Scripture that Jesus healed with the smallest measure of faith in our life. He can heal with the smallest measure of faith. Actually, there's a Scripture that says that with faith the size of a mustard seed, that you can move a mountain. That scripture's challenging to think about. That's one of those where we can think about that and it's talking about, wait, what does that mean? We can move a mountain. I think a lot of times when we talk about the hills and the valleys and the low, the high points and the low points, maybe that scripture's not talking about us physically moving a mountain on the horizon. But maybe it's talking about us moving mountains in our own life. That it's the faith that takes us to the next mountaintop. It brings it closer. We step into everything that God has. That's what the Bible says. It says the faith of a mustard seed can move a mountain. I figured, hey, what better way to illustrate that than bring some seeds today. You think about a seed. I, gra- I had Jamie grab some seeds yesterday, and the Bible says faith of a mustard seed. I think it says the faith of a mustard seed because a mustard seed is really, really tiny. It's really small. But today at Highmark, we're going to change the scripture a little bit. It's the faith of a cantaloupe seed. Okay, come on. Are you with me today? So I got a seed here today. What's interesting about a seed is that seed represents so much potential. It represents what could be. It represents a limitless amount of fruit. It represents an amazing uh, possibility that could happen. But what has to happen? This seed has to be taken, and I got some dirt right here, and it has to be put in this pot. And it has to be put in that pot, and it has to be buried. It has to be covered over. Now my hands are all real dirty. But you know what? When it's covered over, and I now... Once, that's only one part of that seed. That seed then, in order to grow and see its fullest potential, it needs to be nurtured. It needs to be watered. It needs to be in the right environment. It has to have the, the soil has to have the right temperature. And then it has to be babied. You know what? I brought this other little plant right here. Lexi has this at, brought this home from, from Easter at Highmark. And I might have destroyed it when I hit the table earlier today. But I'll have to get her a new one. But you see, what happens is, is we put the seed in the ground, it gets watered, it gets nurtured, it's take care of. And in the early 
early days, you have to give it so much attention, but then it starts to grow, and it starts to grow a little bit bigger, and, and then it's still, we have to protect it. We have to protect the, uh, it's at a fragile state, and it's a state where uh, we still have to nurture it, and we have to water and grow, but what happens over time, and time, and time, and time, and as time goes on, and as it grows, and grows, and grows, it strengthens, and then it produces fruit, and then in that fruit, is another seed. And that's what's remarkable about that illustration of, of the faith of a mustard seed is that there's so much potential in the littlest amount of faith that we have. If we believe what God says, if we confront our unbelief, if we confront other people's unbelief, that we can see the amazing things that God has for us. We can see all of his hope and all of his purpose and all of the uh, promises that he has for us. So listen, there's some challenges. There's some things out there in our life that look insurmountable. But the Bible says that a, that a little seed of faith can move the mountain, can change the perspective. It can change the landscape. I don't think we want God to marvel at our unbelief. But instead, we have to nurture the seed. We have to create the right environment. We have to give it time to grow and every seed will grow. But this part is our responsibility to take care of it, to nurture it. Let me give you a couple things today. How do we protect our hearts and our minds from unbelief? I think these are, these are a couple things I wrote down this week that I want you to walk away with. How do we protect our minds and our hearts from unbelief? This is real practical. The first thing is this. We have to deal with doubt. We have to deal with the doubts that rise up inside of us, the things that uh, we question. You may think, well, I don't know if I have a lot of doubts, but you might, you, might, you might express doubt simply by not trusting God, but having to ask every other person in your life instead of him. So we have to deal with the doubts that rise up in our heart. We have to pray over those things. We have to ask God to, to remove those doubts in our minds, bring us a peace and a focus in our, in, our lo- in our life. And that's how we nurture this seed. The second thing we can do is just protect it with prayer. Protect our faith with prayer. Protect our minds and our hearts by saying, you know what, God, I'm going through this or I don't understand this or I'm doubting this. I want to protect my faith. Don't let me become jaded. Don't let me become, my heart become hard. Don't let me just become functional in my life and I miss out on faith and don't let me just get to that place but we have to protect our heart and our mind with prayer and say God help me just to protect the seed of faith that I have here help me to, to, to keep uh, 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 it nurtured and, and in the right environment and, and watered properly God help me to do it I can't do it all, my, all on my own So we have to protect it with prayer. And the third thing is this, is that we have to commit to community. It's the voices of faith around you that will encourage you. It's the people that God's put in your life. And that's why Highmark Church, that's why life groups are so important to us as a church. It's because it's in community that we're strengthened. It's in in relationship with one another that our faith goes deeper, it grows, and it builds, and, it, and it's protected from the storms of life. 
And the reality is there's going to be moments where you're going to be confronted with your own unbelief. But how great is it to have a friend that picks you up right in that moment and says something to you that's full of faith. They give you the encouragement that you needed to hear on that day. That's what community is all about. And in our busy culture, our busy life, we have to commit. We have to work to make that happen. We have to focus to make that happen. But God says, listen, I put people, and when, you're, when you come together, I put people in your life. When, you, when they're, you bind people together in your life, it just strengthens you. That's why community is so important. We have to commit to it. We have to say, you know what, I'm going for it. So that we're not people marked by unbelief. And I believe Highmark Church is not a church of people that are marked by unbelief. I believe we're going to be a church, and we are a church that's full of faith. And we're full of belief in all that God can do. We're full of hope in all that God can do. And so we don't put our trust in ourselves. And it's not all about us. And it's not all about uh, just our weekly gathering. But it's about what God can do inside of each and every one of us every single day of the week. That Jesus has a hope for us. And rather of us being marked by our unbelief or people marked by our unashamed belief in what he can do. Thanks for tuning in today. We'd love to have you join us on Sundays at Highmark. Go online to highmark.church to get all the details and plan your visit. Remember, God has a high calling for your life, so keep pursuing your purpose.